I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen. Week number four of our series, the I Am Statements of Jesus, found in the book of John. We've been walking through a lot of John uh, for three weeks, and then this is the fourth week. Uh, we've already learned how that uh, Jesus talked about how he is the bread of life. He sustains us. He is the light of the world, lighting a path. Um, and last week we talked about how he says, I am the door. It's kind of a two-week mini-series inside the seven-week series of I Am because it's in this one teaching, in this one pa- uh, uh, passage of scriptures where he, he mentions two things that he is. And so he says, I am the door. We talked about that last week. And then he says, I am the good shepherd, which is what we're talking about uh, this week. So it's a little two-week two mini-series in the, in, inside the, the, the seven-week series. And so last week we had a, just a, a great, it, it was really a great service, uh, just an ending, the, the altar service. Uh, for those who were here, it was just a fantastic time of being in the altar. We prayed for our next generation our teenagers and our college students and our young people. It was just a, just a fantastic time in the presence of God. And, and I'm so thankful for it and, and thank you, thankful for the altar time. You know, when we have altar time, when I invite you to come to the altar, that's not like an automatic admission of what like a horrible person you are, right? Like we, we know that, don't we? I think. Um, you know, the, what it is is, hey, let's come get close to the Lord. And so let's, let's take a step out and we're going to pray and we're going to do that. And so uh, we, we were able to have that. Uh, last week, and so uh, heard a lot of good, good, um, I guess, feedback from last week and the things we talked about. One of the things that I got feedback from um, was my impersonation of shepherds. Um, with my yip 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 yip. yip. Okay, uh, that was my uh, well, back in the day. Uh, they each shepherd would kind of have their own call to their to their sheep, and so they would give that call and. Um, Maybe a yip 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 like that, and uh, and, and so that the, the the sheep would know the shepherd's voice. The sheep would know that by that call, you know. So that was kind of my fictitious two thousand years ago shepherd. Um, and so I, I was actually asked, you know, if you were a shepherd, what would be your own personal call? If that wasn't the the yip yip yip, what would be your you know call as a shepherd? And so it's pretty easy. My call would be. Pig suey, okay? That would be my call. Uh, and I think that with, with that kind of call, I think I could get some sheep from other sheepfolds. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, 
at least sweet 16 of them, right? Okay, so uh, that's, that's, uh, that's what my call would be. But anyway, that has nothing to do with today's sermon at all, so we're going to move on. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 um, is where we're going to be, and then also if you want to turn to Ezekiel chapter 34, you can do that as well. But John chapter 10, Ezekiel chapter 34 is where I'm going to be. Last week, he said, I am the door. And as we talked about, the, uh, the sheep are put in a, in a sheep pen or a sheep fold. And uh, there was many times, most of the time, it would be a fence around it, sometimes even a stone fence to keep the, 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 the sheep there. And that there would be a door and a watchman is watching the door. And so the, the, the shepherd who walked in by the door, well, they're supposed to be there, that they owned part of that sheep, and so they would give their call, and they would come out. Uh, but any uh, shepherds or any people who would come come over the top of the wall to try to get in, they're thieves, and they're robbers, and they're not supposed to be there. And in fact, it said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And so he says, I am the door. And, and, and what that, that meant was in, in that context is that that he is the door which, which opens up to the sheep to allow salvation. So he allows salvation because he is the door. He doesn't know where the door is. He says he is the door. And so he allows uh, salvation uh, to come into his sheepfold, uh, into his kingdom, if you will. Uh, but he also opens the door out. And so as a shepherd leads the sheep out, they find good pasture. And so that's where we find uh, the sheep find uh, the things that they need and their blessings uh, their purpose and their and their direction in their life. And so he is the door that allows in for salvation uh, and then also out to find what God has for them as well. And so I am thankful that Jesus is the door. Amen? And then uh, today he's going to continue that thought. So we're not skipping. This isn't like six months later. Okay? This is the very next sentence. We're, we're keeping on rolling here uh, that Jesus is continuing this this metaphor of him being a shepherd and him being a good shepherd. And so in verse um, 10, he says that the thief comes, steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give us life and to give it more abundantly, or to have it abundantly. And so the very next verse, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. What a powerful verse right there for us, John 10, 11. He is the good shepherd. He sacrifices his life for the sheep. Now, this metaphor uh, that he's going with, what he's talking to the Pharisees and these people, is, is it can can demonstrate and, and illustrate several things about shepherds. And, and even if we don't know a lot about shepherding, we can we understand a little bit that basically the shepherds take care of the sheep, right? Um, we can we see that throughout the Bible. David and Abraham, as he was, they were taking care of their sheep, and and and, and even later on. Uh, different parts of the Bible where there are people that are taking care of their sheep. And so we can, we can kind of glean from other passages of scriptures what a good shepherd is or things that a good shepherd does. But in this passage of scripture, uh, what, what I care about is the text. And, and, and I understand that we can infer some things all over the scripture and that would even be correct and that would be right. Uh, but I, I, I want to look at the text and what is the main reason that he is the good shepherd. Or what separates him as being a good shepherd from other shepherds that are pretty good? Because the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And that is a separating factor of him as a shepherd from other shepherds. 
is that he gave his life for me and for you on that cross so that you can have access into God's sheepfold, into God's kingdom. He's called the great shepherd in Hebrews. He's the chief shepherd in 1 Peter. He is that head shepherd, and he is that good shepherd that sacrifices himself for us. Verse 12, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. He just lays it out there for us. This is a distinguishing factor. Now this talks to us, especially as, as leaders, if you consider yourself a leader in the room, a spiritual leader, this speaks to us as well because we don't want to be these types of shepherds, correct? We don't want to be the type of shepherd that we are here or we hold this position or we have this authority because we're either in it for money, which you're in the wrong occupation, um, you're in it for money, you are, um, you're in it for prestige, you're in it because you want to be the most important person in the room, uh, that, that, is that why you want to be the shepherd? Is that why you want to be a, a leader in the church? Is, is that the purpose behind that? Uh, and, and there are some, as it says here, that that is why that they want to be a shepherd. They, they want to have that authority. They want people to know that you know, they've run this church for several years or whatever, uh, that, that they have done this for X amount of years, and they want people to know that they have done this. Um, and, and what it is is they're not giving glory to God in the things that they do. They want to be set apart, and people look up to them as this great shepherd or this amazing shepherd, or, or this person. And they, and they want to look, they want others to look at them that way. And, and Christ, of course, is this perf- perfect model for us not to be that way. But those ministers, they're here for a paycheck, they're here for authority, or they're here for status. They hurt two people. First of all, they hurt themselves, because they will be found out. They will be found out. I am, I am thankful to say that in the church there are more good shepherds than bad shepherds, thankfully. I, I've met many, many shepherds in my life, much, much more good ones than bad ones, okay, much more. But maybe when I say a bad shepherd, maybe a bad shepherd comes to your mind, and so they may be out there somewhere. So they, but they will be found out at some point. So it hurts two people. It hurts them themselves. They will be found out, but it also hurts the sheep. Because what happens is, those people who are there for prestige, the people who are there for authority, when tough times come, when the wolf comes, when, when, <laughs> when things aren't looking so good, they're going to be gone. And then it's up to the sheep to take care of themselves. And that's when Jesus, as a good shepherd, puts himself in between the thief, the wolf, the adversary, and his sheep, and sacrifices himself for the sheep. What a good shepherd we serve. And there is no way for us as sheep to get access to the Father. He steps in and sacrifices himself. When everyone else would leave, when everyone else would run away, why? Because they didn't belong to those other people. But they belonged to Jesus Christ. 
These false teachers, they think and they care about themselves, but true pastors, true leaders, care for the sheep. They model after the good shepherd. We can't can't attain what the good shepherd does. Only he is the good shepherd, but he has that model for us. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He says, I know my own sheep, so Jesus says. I know who they are. And, and some of you need to hear this today. Some of you have been, you've been Christians for a long time, and so this may, be, may not be as, as impactful to you. But there are some in the room that you need to hear this as well. You are not random. You, you are not, you didn't, God is the author of life. You didn't show up one day and God was like, oh, look who's here. God knows you, created you, loves you, and saved you from yourself and the adversary, and he is your good shepherd. Isaiah 49 even says that we are engraved on the palms of his hands. He knows you. You are not random. You you are not just... So just a, another life out here floating in the, in the world, just trying to make their way. No, God knows you and loves you, has a plan for you, died for you, sacrificed himself for you, and you are not random. You belong to him. And so it is in him that we find our identity. It is him that we find our purpose, and, and we come in, we go out, as we said, I don't, I don't want to go down too far down this rabbit trail. <laughs> Let me say that God made you, but there's no really such thing as, well, this is how I am, this is how I was made, and this is how I will always be. Okay? Take that as broadly as you would like. Okay? Well, this is just how I am, this is how I was born, and this is how I am. All of us were in the depths of a sinful nature, and God pulled us out. Every single one of us. And so, all of us have to, must, because he loves us so much, move from where we are, wherever that is in our birth, and move us to somewhere else. To be something else what God has made us to be. He's created a new creature inside of us. So really, if you're the same person that you were 10 years ago, like something's going on. Something wrong is going on. Like God is moving you somewhere else, okay? God is the one who stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not us. (laughs) We move. We go up the mountain. And so he's he's constantly changing us. So this whole, I've always had a temper. Okay, great. That doesn't mean you're going to continue to have a temper for the rest of your life. That's the point of salvation and change and regeneration. That he changes us. Okay, that's as far as I'm going to go down. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you. You are not random. You're not some sort of random misfit toy that he just doesn't know what to do with. No, he loves you. And he has a plan for you. Verse 16, I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and, they, and there will be one flock 
with one shepherd. Well, who are these other sheep that he's talking about? Well, he's talking to Jewish people right now, so he's talking about us as Gentiles. There are other people. So it's not just this Jewish nation. There are others out there, and they need to know the saving grace and love of Jesus Christ that I have to offer, that only I have to offer. I sacrifice myself for all the sheep, not just the sheep here, but all the sheep. And I am thankful for that. Even in Acts 18, God tells Paul, I have many people in this city. That city he's talking about was a Gentile city. He's talking about other people than just the Jewish people. So these sheep too, we have a, a part to play. Or there is a place for us in God's kingdom, in God's sheepfold. Verse 17, the Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and I also take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. So he's looking ahead just a little bit, talking about sacrifice, and he's predicting his death. So this is for those of you who don't know, and the disciples know, but they don't want to know, but they know that this is coming, okay? But this is important, especially in theological circles, that we understand this, that Jesus gave up his life. He sacrificed it. Nobody murdered him. Okay? No one took his life from him. No one stormed the gates and they grabbed him and and he didn't want to go, but they took him and they murdered. No, he gave his life as a sacrifice. And that is huge implications for us. Because we needed that sacrifice No one took it from him. He gave it willingly. And I'm so thankful for that. Verse 19, when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Listen, just as back in Jesus' days, they called him things, demon-possessed and whatever else. There were a lot of things that were said about him, and there's a lot of things said about him today. There will be things that are said about you that will not be flattering, okay? They said in Matthew that they're not, they're not really persecuting you, they're persecuting me. That's why they're doing that. But I've been called worse than demon-possessed, okay? <laughs> That's kind of what Jesus is saying, you know. I've been called worse than this. But, and then some said, yeah, but, how, but can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Some of it is look at the things that he is doing. Like, look, how can you call him this? And so Jesus has been called a whole lot worse than what you have been called. So we as the church, we can stand up firm because we're doing the works of the Lord. We're doing what God wants us to do. And just know that whatever you have been called, he's been called worse. And whatever you are, been, have been, are being called it is beca- it's actually because of him. It's not because of you. So he is this good shepherd, sacrificed his life. Now we look over at Ezekiel chapter 34. He's, he's taking some things from, from a couple Old Testament spots, but, the, but one of the main ones that he's taking from is Ezekiel chapter 34. And I read part of it uh, last week, Ezekiel 34, where he's talking about being a shepherd. And, and the, the main context of, of that part of Ezekiel 34 was mainly to us as leaders. That you as leaders, what your job is to take care of the sheep uh, and to do what I had them to do, but, but instead you, you, know, you ate the food for yourself, you didn't provide for others, and you, so you've scattered them. 
The sheep that were in my sheepfold have now been scattered and they've gone. And because you have not taken care of them, then you were no longer in authority. That's what we talked about last week. So that's, you know, for all those in authority, we've got to perk our ears up and listen. So then he continues that thought in verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. So this shepherd, what he does is, you sheep, or I'm sorry, you shepherds who were supposed to be taking care of them, you didn't do it, sheep are scattered, I'm going after them. That's what a good shepherd does. I'm going to go out and I'm going to find those. Those sheep that were lost. At one point they were in my sheepfold, since then they've been scattered, and now I'm going to look for them. Do you know of anyone in your life, friends, family, whoever it may be, that they have known something about the Lord and since then have fallen away? Now, there could be a myriad of different reasons for that. Sometimes it's just a blatant rejection. Uh, here are the things of God, and I reject that. Some of that is, is simple. They, 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 didn't, they chose not to keep their relationship up with the Lord, and they drifted further and further and further and further away until one day they, they just kind of turned around, and they weren't anywhere near the Lord. They were at one point in the sheepfold, but now they're not. And so Jesus says, I'm going out to get them. I've got to go find them. Verse 13, I will bring them back home to their land, their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and on the rivers and in the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures, pastures of the hills. These, these, the, the blessings, the earthly blessings that he have is yes for those as well, but he's talking, but he's talking about heaven as well where he says, what I have is for them as well. Yes, they've drifted away, but I'm going to go after them because what I am preparing, this place that I'm preparing, is for those who will come and follow me. And yes, they have walked away at one point, but I'm not giving up on them. And so there are people in your life, I'm begging and pleading with you today, do not give up on them because God has not given up on them. And you need to know that. The good shepherd has not given up on them either. He still loves them. And that's why he says he is still drawing them in. He is still drawing them close to him. Now he wants us as his hands and his arms extended to go reach out to them. And we have to take that responsibility seriously, right? Verse 15, I find, I I, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the Sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away. They were with me, but they strayed away. And I will bring them safely home. I will bandage the injured, strengthen the weak. But I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. (laughs) I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. Just one more time, those of you who scattered them, just know that justice is coming. He, he, he mentions that one more time. But then he says, I, I bandage the injured. I'll strengthen the weak. I will search for the lost ones who strayed away. It's such a powerful, 
yes, reminder for us. But what a story. In Matthew 18, he tells a story about leaving the 99 to find the one, right? He leaves the 99 behind him. Where's the sheep folding? And we're not sure how that sheep, did the sheep get out? Did the sheep wander? Did the sheep want to leave? Was the sheep just simply lost? We're not, we're not sure. It's, it's a parable. It's a story. But the principle there is for whatever reason that, that a sheep has walked away from his home, I'm going to go find them because that's what a good shepherd does. That's what a good shepherd does is he goes out to find those who were lost. Obviously, it reminds us of the story in Luke of the prodigal son. Have you heard the prodigal son? Where he was in the house, had all the blessings, all everything that his father had, he took his own inheritance, squandered it, wild living, all of this. He came to his senses, the Bible says. He comes home, and the Lord, or his father, welcomed him with open arms. I love that part of the story. He didn't, he didn't chide him. He didn't yell at him. He welcomed him with open arms. Those prodigals that you have in your life, family members, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, Jesus loves them and is reaching out to them. And, and you, don't, you think they're too far gone. They're not too far gone as long as God is still drawing them. As long as they have breath in their lungs, they can still receive from the Lord. And so we go out. That, I mean, that's why we talk so much about missions. That's why we talk about reaching out to our community. That's why we talk about these things. Because the good shepherd says I, that that's what I'm doing. So why is he the good shepherd? Again, you can look through passages of Scripture and you can come up with reasons why he is good. And there are several things. He is a good teacher and not a false teacher, as it says we talked about last week and even this week. Yes, that's true. He's not, he's not false. Uh, he takes care of the sheep. He gives us our needs and our blessings. Absolutely, we can infer that from many Scriptures, including this, as, as last week we talked about the door. But what does the text say? What is the main reason in, in the scripture that says, I am the good shepherd? What is the principle? What is he talking about? The overarching reason why he is a good shepherd is that he does not leave the sheep behind. A good shepherd never leaves his sheep behind and gives them opportunity. That's who he is, and that's what we have to remember, is that all these reasons he is a good shepherd, he takes care of the sheep, all these things, but he does not leave his sheep behind. I've been praying this past week, really, in in getting ready for this message for prodigals. I know that there are people in this room that, that they have sons and moms and grandparents and whoever that are far from the Lord. And some of them, you know, on some level maybe never were with the Lord. On some of them, it, it, it's heartbreaking because you've seen them in church. You've seen them praise the Lord. Maybe they've, you've seen them raise their hands and worship. Maybe you've seen them speak in tongues. And you've, 
seeing God work in their life and how they love the word at one point, but for whatever reason, there's been this this drift away. Maybe it was a rejection, but there's been a drift away and your heart hurts for them. And what I want to tell you today is that the good shepherd still loves them. And the good shepherd is still drawing them. And as long as they have air in their lungs, they can turn to the Lord. And so we pray, and we give phone calls, and we send texts, Jesus loves you, even just to annoy them. That's fine. Because they need to know, and they need to remember. And so I've been praying for prodigals, and I, and, and I know that there, there are, I, I know some specific ones here in the room, and I, and I want you to know I've prayed for them. I have prodigals in my life as well. Some have just drifted away. And my heart has hurt for them this week. So I'd I'd like to use this altar time to have a prayer for those who have drifted away. We can pray for for all of these who, who do not know the Lord, but especially, especially those prodigals, these lost sheep, That Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. These in Ezekiel, where he says, you've scattered them, I'm going to go find them. In John chapter 10, when he says that my sheep know me, and they know my voice, so I go after them. We're going to pray today. So here's here's what I'd like us to do. If, If we could stand this morning. We're going to go into a time of prayer, and then we'll worship. We'll worship again, but for those people in our lives who we desperately want to see come back to the Lord, this is why we pray, right? Because God changes things. And there are some in our life that it just seems like it's been so long, I don't know that they would ever. But then we pray, and then God changes things, right? I mean, water is not supposed to stand up on its own, right? So we pray, and then God changes things. We pray, and then all of a sudden we get a phone call from them this week. Just wanted to ask a question. Like, that can happen, right? That has happened, actually. Of people coming to know the Lord because we want things to change. We want to pray for them. So if you are here today and you have a prodigal in your life would you raise your hand because we want to pray for those just about everybody in the room I was going to have people stand next to you and pray but it looks like about everybody so would you begin to lift your voice to the Lord and begin to pray for that prodigal even right now that's that like that, that that's that's what we're doing for our altar time we are praying for these as God is the good shepherd pray that, that that right now God God we pray for those who don't know you 
Maybe they did at one point. Because of life or bad decisions or, or even outright rejection. God, you loved them. Oh, God. Come on, church, begin to pray. Begin to pray for those. We come to you now as our good shepherd. Lord, we want to see them come back to you. We want to see them come back to you. You love them, Lord. They are not random, they were created for a purpose and that purpose is to worship you and to live for you Lord I pray that you would that you would continue to draw them continue to draw them to you Lord Lord I they would be miserable without you. That they would, that they, right now, where they're at, they would just be miserable. <laughs> because they know that they need you. They need you. them know, let them remember that that hole that they have in in their heart and know that something is just not right. There's, There's a loneliness to them that they can't understand, they can't explain. God, let them know. Let them know. Let them come to realization it's because that they are not walking with you. for daughters who have walked away for sons who are away from the Lord for a mother for a father Lord for a brother God for a sister Come so real in their life. And that you would use us to be your hands to reach out to them. Maybe that's a telephone call this week or a text. But in, in some way, we can reach out to them, give an opportunity, and let them come to Christ, come back to you. God, we pray for it. 
and we know that this is possible? Yes, because we've seen it in the past. Yes, because we've seen it in your word. But because of this word right here, why are you a good shepherd? Why are you different than other shepherds? Because you don't lead the sheep. Because you go after the one. You go after the one. closest to us who need to know you you know them you love them you sacrificed yourself for them God I pray for opportunities this week maybe today opportunities today and this week for an encouraging word scripture, a a question, something that moves them toward you, that you would use us, or that you would use someone close to them. Lord, we we want to tell of testimonies. We want to to have testimonies of people coming back to the Lord, and that we have to have a, a, a special service here in several weeks of just to let everybody know who has come back to the Lord. <laughs> what a joyful, what a, what a Sunday that would be. God, we pray for testimonies. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being our good shepherd. What a good shepherd you are. us, you guide us. Lord, you sacrifice yourself for us. And we say thank